Every day, in communities just like yours, men and women devote their lives to building our economies brick by brick and job by job. These are their stories. You're listening to From the Ground Up, North America's Top 50 Economic Developers. Welcome to the Top 50 Podcast. I'm Carla Winchester, and today we are mixing it up a little with a special episode from Consultant Connect's economics event last month in Atlanta. If you missed economics, my hope is that today's episode provides you a sneak peek into one of many of the conversations that we had on the main stage with amazing site consultants. Seats are flying out the door for Economics 2017 in New Orleans. If you have not registered and would like to register or learn more about economics, please head to economics.me to get your tickets today. Without any further delay, I would like to welcome you to our podcast, which is featuring Ron Kitchens, who is the CEO and president of Southwest Michigan First, and Dareth Jarvis, who serves as the managing partner for the site selection and economic development practice at More Partners. Enjoy the conversation. What was your plan when you went to college? I guess this is the getting to know you part. So I actually graduated high school and did not have a plan. I grew up as a Jehovah's Witness, and it was ingrained in me from the time I was three years old that my life would revolve around ministry. And at the age of 17, I decided not to be a Jehovah's Witness. So I was kind of out on my own, left home and lived with a cousin of mine, and he was going to the Navy. So I decided to do that too. And what the military taught me was I didn't want to be a doer. I wanted to be a leader or at the time a manager. So after the military, I went and got a business management degree. And in my career with Nielsen, it was all about the next promotion for me. So I didn't have a plan coming out of high school. I went to the military. It kind of shaped my life. And I'm so thankful for it. Great story. Takes me to this next question. What role has luck played in your success? I'd really be lying if I said none, because I think there's an element of my success that is attributed to being in the right place at the right time, but it's 95% hard work. And being incredibly good looking. Is that, you know, I wasn't going to say that. I wasn't yeah. say that but. It's okay. You can give it up. I heard several people. <laughs> you know. What role have mentors played? A great deal. So when I got out of the military and I went to work for Nielsen, the guy who hired me to work at Nielsen was actually my first mentor. And he was on a fast track to C-level management within the Nielsen organization. And he actually, since, I guess, the whole religion thing and my parents not really being active in my life, he kind of filled that void. And he took me wherever he went, which is the reason I was kind of promoted. But it wasn't just because he was my mentor. It was because I'd shown him who I was and the ambitions I had as an individual. But he was really my first mentor. And I've been lucky along the way to have some very good mentors and Ted Fredericks, who was the, you know, past president of More Partners, has been a great mentor to me. He's no longer with the company, but 
he and I still keep in touch and he's very involved in my life on a personal level and mentorship. So they play a very big role in my life. What are your thoughts on mentorship? Do we need to knock on somebody's door and say, hey, will you mentor me? Is it something that happens naturally? How do we put ourselves in a position to get that regardless of where we are in our leadership roles? Both. A lot of you all in economic development know Misty Meggs. Misty Meggs works with me. Notice I don't say for because she works with me. And I am her mentor. And don't get me wrong, I mean, she teaches me more than I teach her. But that happened naturally because of the relationship we have in the office and because of her recognition of what I've accomplished. But there are also people who come to me all the time and they ask me to play a bigger role in their professional career. So I think you got to do both. I think you have to understand who's a leader in your industry and you got to knock on doors. But some of it definitely happens naturally. I think, too, we as point leaders, and you all are leading something, whether you're leading your organizations or areas or you're leading your family, you're leading something in your life. And I think one of those things is that you've got to be intentional about stepping up and pouring into people. You know, I can remember kind of my second job in economic development. Kate, actually, had come to town and we were having a little bit of success. And she came in and spoke to a group, and I was probably trying to manipulate the situation to either get more money or get more resources somehow. And so she had come in to speak to the group and say, this is what it takes to compete in today's world. But afterwards, she pulled me aside and said, hey, what are you doing about your career? How are you planning out? Here's what things look like. Here's how you grow in that. And she wasn't there that day to do that, but she took the time. And it really has been invaluable to my leadership, my growth, and a lot of reasons I can be here today. And a lot of you are in positions in your lives now that you can do that. So we use the term existing and emerging leaders, and you can be both of those depending on the role you're in. So we encourage you to do that, encourage you to learn. Who are you learning from now? Are there a person or reading or the Always Forward Leadership podcast to be okay to say? But who are you learning from or where are you learning from? The Always Forward Leadership podcast. <laughs> he said with excitement that I'll never be able to use on a commercial. I am, uh, I kind of think of myself as a sponge. I actually like these types of events because we don't, as site consultants, whatever you want to call us, we don't get a lot of time to spend with each other. So... Every time I'm at an event where Josh is speaking or Kate is speaking or any of the other guys are speaking, I'm listening and learning from those guys. So I'm always a sponge. I try to get the ear of our CEO. So I'm learning from him and I'm learning from you know the leaders in our organization as well. Awesome. All right, this next session is rapid fire. So there are a few rules. It's one or a few word answers. We're going to go really unless you're quickly, Brad. unless you're Brad, and then, uh, yeah, three minutes is a few word answer. <laughs> but, you know, so we're going to ask questions so people can go a little deeper with you and understand who you are. So favorite color? Blue. Favorite car? Corvette. Theme song or on-deck song? 50 Cent? I, I will. Uh, that's actually a person, but it is clear. I'm yeah, not going to get anywhere yeah, on this no, one. I, 
Uh, what would the title of your biography be? He lived. There you go. All right, this one is E. If you don't get this one, we're, we're done. Favorite pizza topping? Pepperoni. Awesome. Text or call? Text. Favorite band? Band. Music. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the, the Roots. The Roots. All right, that's a good one. Uh, favorite movie? Uh, Fools Rush In. All right. Uh, favorite word? Word? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All right. Last book you read? Alexander's Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day. <laughs> What's your life motto? Be helpful. Thank you for playing along in rapid fire. There are absolutely no prizes for that, <laughs> but thank you for participating. What's the greatest leadership lesson you've ever learned? It would be that <laughs> you have to take time and invest in people. One of my favorite things in life is seeing the people that I actually work with being recognized. Because I think that's the highest measurement of leadership, right? It's the people you lift up. And I'm fortunate to have people around me that I've been able to do that for. So that's the most valuable lesson I've learned as a leader. That's a great answer. Where do you see site selection as a business and the relationship to economic development going in the next five years? So I guess, first of all, site selection as a business, I see being a lot more automated as we become a lot more technical. A lot of people over the last five years have begun to talk about big data and analytics and all of this stuff that companies have at their fingertips. A lot of corporate real estate firms are now providing those things for these corporations so that they have the tools to make real-time decisions. So that's what I mean about site selection being more automated. Less of us actually data mining and finding things versus corporate executives making decisions real-time with insight into their business, their real estate portfolio, and all of these other things that can now be brought together as people examine and look at how to be successful. And what that means for the site selectors and economic development, I think through venues like this one and others out there, we are just going to be more collaborative. Forget who it was yesterday, but somebody made the point that economic developers, you guys are part of the team, right? This is a team effort where site selection is concerned. There's us, there's you, there's the end user who's the client, but I see it becoming more of a collaborative effort to site projects. And I think with you know, some of the presentations that you've heard through venues like Consult and Connect, that gives you more insight into what we are actually doing, it's fostering some of that collaboration. That's great insight. Share with us how many days on the road a year for you in traveling. You know, one of the reasons for this is because everybody loves non-scripted TV, like reality TV. And you know, <laughs> the reason why is because we all think other people's lives are more interesting than our own. Isn't that true? That's why you watch those things. 
So one of the things we want to do is have people understand what the life of a site selector looks like, because I think there's a lot of perception, maybe not in this room so much, that you're in some ivory tower somewhere yelling out to your minions to do reports so you can screw over all the towns in this room and you know pick your favorite where you've got a vacation home. Right. And, uh, but I think, it's, I think we've heard it's a little bit different than that. But how many days are you on the road out of Dallas on a given year? Ooh, that's a hard question to answer. So I'm probably on the road five to 10 days a month, which may not seem like a lot, but a lot of those are day trips. So I'm actually involved not only with site selection, economic incentives, I'm a part of Moore's executive pitch team, and I'm a part of the team that goes out and visits clients on a regular basis. So it depends, five to 10, sometimes it's half the month. What are the things that we don't understand about site selection as a business? So, you know, you talked about being on the executive pitch team. You talked about what that looks like. But what is it that we don't understand that you have to do every day to be part of this team to compete? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> I mean, in my world, I think what a lot of people don't understand is I actually have to fight with real estate brokers on a daily basis. I hope none of you have to go through that. Um, but I think that's the biggest misconception. These site selection opportunities or incentive opportunities or clients don't just fall in our laps. I have to go out and pitch them. I have to go out and fight for them. A lot like real estate brokers have to go out and fight for deals. And the other thing is a lot of times real estate brokers don't want us involved because they have a perception that it slows down the process. So yeah, I mean, that's the biggest thing. It's fighting with brokers and getting them to understand that this is a value to your client. Just because it's a more partners client doesn't mean they're my client. Doesn't mean I'm gonna do site selection for them because brokers think they can do it all. But yeah. So brokers are a little like economic developers. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So an unfair question that I didn't prep you with, we know, I think the vast majority of this group in the room, probably all of them, don't have enough resources to do the job they did. But if there was $50,000 that an economic development group had, and you could give them an idea how you would spend it to increase the influence and increase the number of deals they had and make your life easier as a site selector. So be completely selfish on this. How would they spend that $50,000? I'd spend it on a person. One of the biggest concerns I have with, and it's not a problem, it's a concern. I'm concerned about you all. Or some of them I'm concerned about too. Yeah. <laughs> One of my largest concerns is the lack of staffing, right? Because when we call and we need information, and you guys know this, I mean, we need it yesterday. And if you don't have the capacity to provide the information, sometimes you get overlooked. I think economic developers spend way too much money on marketing. I would spend it on people that will actually help you do the work. Find the information. Yeah, build the relationships and yep. close the deals. Yep. Yep. So how do people follow you if they want to connect? So Twitter, Facebook, <laughs> Instagram? Uh, none of that. None uh, of that. 
LinkedIn is the best way. LinkedIn. All right. Uh, so. I have a Twitter, but I haven't tweeted in two years. All right, so LinkedIn is the way to connect. Ron, ain't nobody got time for that. I'm not <laughs> I do because I breathe. She's up in the booth up there telling me that time's up. So, uh, and she's the boss of time. So please join me in thanking Derek Travis. Thanks for tuning in to North America's Top 50, produced by Consultant Connect, an organization working to bridge the gap between leading economic developers and location consultants. To learn more about what we do and how to get involved, please visit consultantconnect.org or tweet me at Ron Kitchens.